Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Folks, hours before regulatory hearings in Baton Rouge were set to begin uh, this past Wednesday, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Louisiana officials uh, canceled their plans for a controversial $2.5 billion sale to Elevance uh, Health. It's actually a second time that this has happened in the past year. Joining us to talk about it, Kirk Talbot, State Representative, District 78 from the Jefferson Parish Legislative Delegation. Kirk, welcome to the show. Hi, Noel. Thanks for having me. So, Kirk, is there's a role that you play uh, in on the committee of those regulatory hearings? We don't. So the legislature has no role whatsoever. Um, it was really all up to the commissioner, Tim Temple, to approve or reject this this proposed acquisition. But the legislature, we have no role. We don't vote on the approval or the disapproval of it. We just had. Uh, we felt it was our obligation to our constituents to have some hearings on it. We had one last August. We had a joint House and Senate insurance meeting that lasted well over six hours. Then we had a joint Senate Health and Welfare Insurance Committee meeting uh, a week or two ago that was another eight-hour meeting, brought up a lot of uh, questions, brought up a lot of, I guess, scrutiny to the to the whole process, and that kind of led us to where we are now. So in that role, what did y'all hear, and did you get a warm and fuzzy feeling uh, about this uh, this deal? You know, my, my personal opinion was, and, and still is, that I understand that Blue Cross is saying, look, the, the healthcare environment in this country is changing. Um, Blue Cross isn't going to look like it does now, three to five, ten years from now, and therefore they feel like they need to, to merge with a for-profit company, you know, one of these companies like Elevance that operates in, in 14 or so states. I understand that. But the process, how this thing came to be, the, the foundation, how it was set up, the voting process, the lack of any buy-in from any entity in the healthcare industry gave us a lot of questions and a lot of um, cause for concern. Why do you think that was, in fact, the case? I mean, was it a, a lack of communication by both Blue Cross and Elevance with health care providers across the state? 
you know, you would have to ask them that. I, I, I don't know. Um, it appears that it, that wasn't just, revealed uh, in those hearings that y'all conducted. That wasn't revealed in that. No, no. But but clearly, I don't know if the hospital association actually came out and said they were against it, but they certainly had a lot of of, of concern about it. You had um, the medical society, I believe, did come out against it, and they represent a slew of different organizations. So, um, you know, there really was no buy-in that I saw at all from the healthcare community. So why uh, do you think uh, and what are you hearing as to maybe motivating Blue Cross Blue Shield to pull uh, this from, you know, right there at, at the cusp of going before the regulatory authorities? You know, my feeling is they just saw the writing on the wall. I mean, if you if you go back and look at the, the two hearings we had, a lot of those important questions just weren't answered. Um, Elevance, you know, does have a record of um, some fines and penalties in other states, which is not that uncommon with, with for-profit companies or non-profit companies that, that provide health care. But, you know, you'd have to ask them that. But I, I think they saw a rough road ahead and that they're going to go back to the drawing board and try to and try to come back with something else at a later time this deal would have some impact on state employees because the office of group benefits is uh, handled by blue cross right that's that's my understanding yes and uh, did y'all did you guys hear from any of the state employees as to their concerns about this deal we did, you know, I got individual emails from some state employees, as did other members of the legislature, but we did not hear from, you know, the, the CEO of Office of Group Benefits. Um, but we did hear from constituents that were in the private sector and part of the part of the public sector. Was part of the uh, messaging about, um, you know, less competition, uh, obviously elements being a much bigger player. A lot of folks don't really recognize that Blue Cross Blue Shield and each individual state is actually a different legal entity having nothing to do with the others, right? That's right. Um, Blue Cross Blue Shield Louisiana is a standalone. And, you know, I know you've had a long tenure serving on the board of East Jefferson Hospital, just like back then when hospitals started merging with other companies, kind of a strength in numbers thing. You know, that's what we're seeing in the healthcare industry now. So that's why I would encourage them to go back to the drawing board and try to come up something, you know, a little more palatable, a little uh, um, more buy-in from the healthcare community and not and not shut the door on this entirely. Yeah, I noticed uh, it, uh, an individual that was quoted in, in one of the newspaper articles, Nate Kaufman, uh, works, he's a healthcare consultant. I'm very familiar with Nate and worked with him a number of times over the last 25 years, he believes that Elevance is going to try again. They, they might. I mean, I haven't, I haven't had any contact with them on that, but, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. Do we, I, I mean, I know that there are 1.9 million policyholders of uh, Blue Cross policies in the state of Louisiana, which is a pretty big number. Do we know what percentage of market share that represents? I thought it was around 58%. I could be wrong on that, but I know it's it's well over – it's definitely over 50%. But they are far and away the largest um, provider in the state. I mean, the, the number two and number three are, are not even close. So, you know, it's a big deal, Newell. I mean, it's the, it's the largest health care acquisition 
the state's ever seen and, and probably will ever see in our generation. So it's something that, um, you know, we didn't take lightly as legislators, and that's why we had those hearings, and that's why we, we asked the, the, the tough questions. So, you know, it impacts a, a, a lot of people in this state. Have you guys heard from higher ed? Because I know that the way that this foundation was set up and where the monies would actually go to as a research center, it was kind of uh, directed by the Landry administration to benefit the Pennington Biomedical Research Center. Uh, When I read that for the first time, I thought, you know, it was kind of a slap in the face to higher ed in in the state of Louisiana. What are your peers saying? What what are your beliefs on that? You know, I think a lot of people had some questions and kind of scratched their head on that. I mean, um, you know, that all kind of broke last week. So we haven't had, you know, and then Mardi Gras, you know, came right after that. So I have not um, had any contact with higher ed on that subject, but it definitely caused us all to kind of, you know, scratch our heads like, what, you know, why would that, why would we do it that way? And, and, you know, the whole setup of the foundation, paying the board members a hundred thousand dollars a year for 10 years, Paying the um, the executive director of the of the foundation a half a million dollars a year, only giving the policyholders three thousand dollars. You know how would this three billion dollar foundation get spent? You know there was a that sucked a lot of air out of the room when we really should have been talking about healthcare outcomes for people in Louisiana because that's the important thing and that's the thing that that really concerned us the most is our premiums going to go up. And how is our health care delivery going to be affected by the policyholders moving from a nonprofit to a for-profit? And a lot of times what gets lost in, in the conversation is access to health care by actually the policyholders, right? I mean, sometimes there, there are so right. many different hurdles that you, you have to jump in order to access your own policy uh, that doesn't make sense to a lot of folks. It doesn't. And, and look, I, I do want to point out, you know, Elevance does have their own specialty doctors they have their own telemedicine networks they have their own um, pharmacy benefit management systems in place so you know um you can see the value in 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 the reason why blue cross would want to entertain this but you know this process i think rightly so needed to end and i would hope that they would come back maybe sometime in the fall with something different you know, and, and where we can take a look at this and, and, and maybe they can um, move forward with this. Because I do believe, as Blue Cross says, that this isn't what this healthcare environment is going to look like in several years. And I don't want us to be caught with rising premiums when we could have done something about it. Is there a sense that this process was kind of rushed? I mean, I, that's kind of what I'm hearing you say that they they really didn't vet this. Uh, to the depth that they should have? Well, I don't know if it was rushed. I mean, you know, this this started back last summer. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, we had our hearing in August. They were going to approve it um, in November. It got delayed. So, you know, it's certainly been vetted. I wouldn't say that it was it was it was rushed. Right. Right. What would you like to see different if it does come back? I mean, what type of information are you looking for? Um, is the legislature maybe thinking about putting a, a panel of health care providers across the state together, uh, some kind of task force to 
to help you know, uh, everyone better yeah. understand where this is headed? I think you'll see that. And, you know, what I would like to see is, you know, when it boils down to it, I would like to see how premiums have been affected and healthcare delivery has been affected in the states where Elevance has bought Blue Cross. And I believe that's seven or nine states. So that data is out there. That's what I'd like to see, because that's what really it all boils down to. I definitely would like to see a different voting process, a more transparent voting process. And, you know, the foundation, you know, that that needs to be reworked. I mean, I, I just, you know, we just were not comfortable with the way that was set up. But the meat of it is, I want to see how Elevance has performed in states where they brought out a Blue Cross. Have the have the premiums gone up? Have they gone down? How how that delivery has been? And talk to people in those states to get an idea of the good and the bad. And you know, are they better off now than they were before Elevance bought out Blue, the Blue Cross, like in Georgia, which they did several years ago? Kirk, if you don't mind. Uh describing this voting process i don't think a lot of people understand that the policyholders were actually polled as to where they are right on this issue yes and and, and look i'm not even going to try to explain how this voting process works i still don't understand it but there were ways you could vote by mail there were ways you could vote vote by phone only a small percentage of that 1.9 million were deemed eligible to vote and that's a whole nother um, thing that that we need to explore, but it was it was just very convoluted and very confusing on how that whole process started. And you know, is there an independent uh, entity that's that's certifying these votes? And, and how do we know, you know, who actually voted yes and who voted no? So it was it was you know that alone was 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 a very um, little convoluted little. Um, confusing on how that process played out yeah for sure it's going to be interesting to see where this goes thank you so much for joining us kirk talbot state representative district Anytime. 78 part of the jefferson parish legislative delegation appreciate your time and your insight thank you sir thank you all righty folks we'll be right back 504-260-1870 we'll go to the talk lines if you want to talk about the previous conversation marijuana we'll continue that conversation we did have some callers holding or this conversation with the blue cross uh being sold to elevance on a 2.5 billion dollar sale that is now on hold we'll be right back call from mom answer it call silenced Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So what what came out recently, and and I've been told by a number of folks in Baton Rouge that this really kind of uh, was a straw that broke the camel's back, was that the foundation that was going to be set up by uh, the proceeds by part of the proceeds of the sale of Blue Cross Blue Shield to Elevance uh, that could um, reach a sizable sum of money was directed to the Pennington Biomedical Research Facility, which is, you know, a Class A facility, nothing wrong uh, or against them, obviously, but that there would be no dollars that would be distributed to higher ed universities that are engaged in some of the same research as Pennington. Uh, the governor thought that this was going to be uh, a more streamlined approach. Uh, he defended uh, the fact that that's one of the things that he asked for. But they never revealed that his chief of staff, who is a former lobbyist, uh, and his wife, uh, a lobbyist as well, had actually represented Pennington. And when his chief of staff became chief of staff, uh, he was replaced by his wife as the representative on Washington Matters. Uh, And uh, obviously, this raised a lot of concern of folks uh, looking at this. And when these reports were revealed and came out, uh, folks like Melissa Flournoy, Flournoy, who was a former state legislator who chairs 10,000 women, a statewide progressive advocacy group, excuse me, and who believes that the Blue Cross sale would harm health care in Louisiana. You heard what um, Senator Talbot said, you know, relative to them wanting to find out more about the success or lack thereof that Elevance may have had in, in the purchase of other Blue Cross Blue Shield programs in other states, uh, one being Georgia. Uh, that occurred, he thought, around two years ago. That would be wise and something that you would want to do in your due diligence in order to determine whether or not this is in the best interest of the policyholders in the state of Louisiana. But it seems as though this most recent revelation, and don't know whether or not there were any conversations, not saying that anybody did anything wrong, uh, but in the spirit of transparency, when you have these types of relationships going right to the executive office of uh, the governor's um, administration, there probably should be a more transparent way of dealing with this and letting folks know. When you're going to make a decision like this of directing dollars to one uh, research facility in the state of Louisiana to the detriment of others, that there ought to be uh, more transparency on that issue. I've been told by many that this was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back and that uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield recognized that this was going to ultimately end up being a problem uh, and one that they didn't have an answer for because everyone pled ignorance. Nobody knew how this happened or why it happened and uh, how it was structured this way. No one at Blue Cross and no one at Pennington and 
No one else was talking about it. In fact, to the contrary, um, the the Ruckerts uh, both said no one had any conversations with anybody on this subject matter. And actually, they were surprised to learn of each other's involvement. <laughs> you know, so I think a lot of people had a lot of had a difficult time uh, getting their head around that, wrapping their head around it. Um, obviously, none of the higher ed uh, institutions made themselves available for any comment there for fear, obviously, of um, losing any potential funding or getting crosswise with the governor uh, on this issue, uh, which makes matters even worse. Uh, you do know that they weren't having public conversations about it, but they were having private conversations about it, I'm sure. I've been in the midst of that before, and I understand how this actually works. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what, what happens uh, next. Um, the individual that I told you about, Nate Kaufman, who's a public uh, health care policy uh, consultant, uh, incredibly bright individual, uh, knows health care uh, better than most of all of the consultants that I worked with. I, I had the most respect for uh, Nate Kaufman. So it's going to be interesting to see how this ultimately uh, plays out. It would be nice to hear from health care providers, hospitals, doctors, large physician groups, uh, to gain a better understanding of how this would ultimately uh, work, pharmacies as well. I think should have a seat at the table to discuss this, to look at some of the issues that they may have had in uh, transferring ownership in other states. How can we overcome that? Is there anything unique here in Louisiana, um, you know, that makes things a little bit more difficult? We're coming out of the uh, COVID era right now, the pandemic era, and there are a lot of financial issues that hospitals and healthcare providers are having as a result of them weaning themselves off of these federal dollars that have come this way. In Louisiana, there are some interesting dynamics that are different. Um, if you just cross the border to the state of Mississippi, for example, folks that show up at the ER without insurance that are uh, hospital that lead to uncompensated care that the hospitals are providing to these individuals because they're not able uh, to deny them uh, coverage under EMTALA uh, provisions. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that you, they these hospitals certify the amount of care that they're given in in a dollar and cents uh, perspective. The state takes that number sends it up to the feds, and the state gets you know, either two or three to one. I don't re recall which it is. It's a significant sum of money. In most states, a percentage of that certification that is provided for by hospitals would be reimbursed to the hospital of the cost of it. And in Mississippi, for the longest time, it was in the 90% range. In Louisiana, it's zero. The state keeps all of that money and helps finance rural hospitals on the back of urban hospitals that are delivering uncompensated care. And what it does is it puts these hospitals 
at, at significant financial impairment and really difficult to sit there as a standalone hospital and not be involved in a system where they can spread their costs, their administrative costs over a much broader base as opposed to these single standalone hospitals. And it's something that we fought for years in trying to get a larger share of that certification to uh, shore up the balance sheet of these particular hospitals. It got to the point where it was untenable. They re- we couldn't survive. And that's why both East Jeff, West Jeff engaged upon um, the process of trying to marry ourselves to a health care provider that was bigger because we knew that we could no longer uh, stand up as an individual hospital and compete against systems. And at the same time, certify all this uncompensated care, spending tax dollars, uh, I mean, spending operational dollars from the hospital on that and not having any opportunity to recoup it. There have been some exotic financing schemes that have been, that are out there from, that are approved by the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services that have made it a little better, but still not what it could be. And when you just cross the state line in Mississippi, whole different way of handling those dollars. So it's going to be interesting to see how this is going to play out. All right, we'd love to hear from you. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers talk and text line. We will be right back after the break. Stay with us. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. So the governor is uh, calling a special session on crime, and it will be, uh, they will go in on February 19th, uh, no later than 6 p.m., and they will end at no uh, later than the 6th of March. 17 days set aside uh, for the special session. And I do believe it's worth uh, some time here to talk about the items and we're going to be talking more about this um, again tomorrow there are some bills that have already been pre-filed we'll talk about that uh, we'll talk about a number of other issues during the course of uh, this special session and we'll try and get some folks on as to where they stand on these issues because there are some um, far-reaching implications of items uh, that are here not and I'm not talking about being pro or against any of this but I think it's worth you knowing what's in the call there are 24 items uh, in the call uh, that the governor has uh, that there will be bills that will be introduced to accomplish some of of these all of these issues excuse me item number one to restrict parole eligibility 
And obviously there's a lot of unpacking to do on that as to what that ultimately means. Item two, to restrict or repeal the earning rate of good time or diminution of sentence for good behavior and earned compliance credits. Item three, to expand the criteria for which probation and parole may be revoked for technical violations. Item four, to require a unanimous vote of the parole board to grant parole and to increase the powers of the board. Item five, I've talked about this one a lot, to require electronic access to criminal records and certain records from juvenile delinquency proceedings. Item six, to legislate with regard to the appropriation of funds and making certain reductions from certain sources in fiscal year 2023 to 24 and to provide for the transfer, deposit, use, and specified of monies in certain treasury funds and accounts, all for the purpose of funding criminal justice, the National Guard, and juvenile justice-related expenses. Item 7, to create the Office of State Public Defender within the Office of the Governor for the delivery of indigent defense services. Item 8, to add the crime of illegal use of weapons or dangerous instrumentalities to the listing of crimes of violence. Item 9, to increase the penalties for the crime of carjacking. Item 10, to legislate with regard to participation in drug and specialty court programs, including program eligibility and requirements, effects on sentencing, and fiscal impacts of such programs. Item 11, to lower the age of a person deemed to be a child for the purposes of dispositions and sentencing for the commission of delinquent acts. Item 12, to expand the list of crimes for which a child may be confined to the custody and care of the Department of Public Safety and Corrections to remove eligibility for modification of certain sentences. Item 13, to grant immunity from liability based upon certain criteria for peace officers and public entities that employ or appoint peace officers. Item 14, to legislate relative to the approval of any order or settlement reached in the federal case of the Louisiana State Conference of the National Association for the Advancement of Color People et al. versus the state of Louisiana. Item 15, to specify the method of administering a sentence of death to provide for civil and criminal liability, and to provide for the confidentiality or records relating thereto. Item 16, to legislate relative to the use of ignition interlock devices relative to operating a vehicle while intoxicated and to provide for the use of ignition interlock devices by persons refusing to submit to an approved chemical test for intoxication. Item 17, to add limitations and restrictions regarding the filing of post-conviction relief. Item 18, to authorize the carrying of concealed weapons by certain persons without the necessity of obtaining a permit. Item 19, to grant immunity from liability for persons authorized to carry concealed handguns. Item 20, to increase the balance of the fund of the Department of Justice Legal Support Fund. 
Item 21, to legislate relative to providing notice to the Attorney General and opportunity to be heard for constitutional challenges to a law. Item 22, to legislate with regard to the prosecution of third-degree rape. Item 23, to amend or repeal Act 354 of the 2023 regular session of the Louisiana legislature relative to the admissibility of a defendant's creative or artistic expression. Item 24, to create a criminal offense to prohibit the predatory marketing of fentanyl to minors. So this gives you uh, the flavor of the items that will be under consideration in the uh, second extraordinary session uh, this year of the state legislature, which is um, obviously uh, limited to issues of uh, crime. The reformation uh policies that were passed over the past several years, a number of these items will either restrict, limit, or do away uh, with some of those. It's going to be interesting to see where these uh, bills uh, end up. Obviously, they're introduced. They can be amended. They can be changed. They can go to conference committee and, and, and compromises being reached on these. But these these are the broad uh, character uh, uh categories that are going to be uh, considered uh, here and obviously uh, some big changes um, unanimous vote on the parole board it's not it doesn't require unanimity now the uh, criteria to uh, revoke someone's pro probation being expanded that um, so more reasons that you can revoke uh, probation and a lot of folks go back to jail on probation revocations. And um, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not there will be any uh, language in these bills to reduce um, judicial discretion in some of uh, these cases as well. The earning rate of good time and the diminution of sentence for good behavior, that's a big one. Uh, because when you do that, what happens is, is that Beds don't open, and there has to be uh, concurrent legislation or, or a desire to increase the number of beds here, or otherwise we, we will have a backup of the system. And it, that's going to be interesting to see where that ultimately uh, plays out. And, and at the same time, you have certain crimes that they're going to have enhanced sentencing, so there'll be more people going into the pipeline uh, to go in into uh, jail. So it's going to be interesting to see where this ends up. But we'll talk uh, more about this. I was doing research both last night and again this morning on some of the bills that have been pre-filed relative uh, to this call. Some are very interesting. Um, some that you may want to reach out to your legislators and gain a better understanding as to where they're going to be on um some of uh, these issues got a number of texts about uh, our discussion with dr kevin sabet and um, there was one that was very interesting and it and it said it reads as follows newell you either don't know or don't want to acknowledge that many people smoke marijuana i do realize that trust me more than you realize i do realize that as well you can't lock them all up 
I have never advocated for locking up folks that are arrested for misdemeanor possession of marijuana. I'm not I'm, I'm not saying that marijuana is good or bad, but putting people in jail for smoking pot is not the answer. We haven't put people in jail for simply simple possession of marijuana for decades. So that's never been the case. In fact, in Jefferson Parish, we have issued summonses for that violation for decades. Most people don't realize that. It's a mis- you know, they just it's an urban myth. When you look at DOC, the Department of Corrections, at one point in time, there was this big conversation about how many people were in DOC for possession of marijuana only. And at that time, none, zero. There were always other charges that went along with that, whether it be an armed robber that had marijuana in his pocket. Certainly, we charged them. Certainly, we convicted them of it. And certainly, they received time for it, but only because they were receiving time for the armed robbery as well. It's by putting people is not the answer. I agree, especially because only poor people go to jail. There is a disproportionate impact based on socioeconomics. No doubt about it. I've never denied it. Wealthy people with good lawyers don't go to jail. Typically, you're right. They have access to much better legal representation than others, especially the wealthy people who contribute to sheriff's reelection campaign. Not necessarily sure about that, because once we charge somebody with it, there's nothing I can do about it. And I can tell you as sheriff, I never got a call from a, a deputy on the road saying, hey, sheriff, I got this guy with weed. Can I arrest him? It doesn't work that way. Right. Or to the district attorney's reelection campaign. But I do understand that prisons are big business and need to be full to make the most profit. That's not the case either. Part of the problem here, and if you go and listen to what Kevin Sabet says, and he's right, is that we are lazy when it comes to our criminal justice and drug policy in this country. Because, ironically, the cheapest thing to do is lock people up. The alternatives are more expensive. If you do them right and you have the right people delivering that service at the right time, it is more expensive than incarceration. And we do not and never have had the desire to really engage in a robust debate about how we were going to deal with that. I am the first one to admit, and I agree, and that's why I followed what Dr. Sabet has said and in drug policy, and I find a lot of his observations very, very interesting. And I think that if you take the time to listen, you will too. All right, we'll be right back. We'll check in with Scoot to see what he has coming your way. Scoot's up next, and he joins us. What do we have coming up, Scoot? Well, I see we have a story on our um, uh, website that says uh, crawfish production uh, season uptick. You think if those crawfish knew what was waiting for them, they'd come out? <laughs> You know, they might just, you know, what the hell are we doing? I mean, hasn't somebody sent a message? Look, this is what's going to happen if you go out there. So, um, I don't know. You know, we'll talk about the uh, the shooting. It just, it, you know, so typical and so sad for a celebration to be marred by a shooting. Absolutely. No doubt. Scoots up next, folks. Stay tuned. Got a great lineup coming your way. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll see you again in the morning. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 